You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode 14 of The Look Ahead, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation. With me, as always, RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys. What's up, RJ? What's going on, Stats? Hope your week has gone well. Mine has not as a Dallas Cowboys fan, as a Manchester United supporter. Sports are pain, um, and I really um, am, am upset, and I'm frustrated, and I'm curious why I continue to come back. Uh, maybe it's because... I'm a masochist. I don't know. But it's good to be with you. Uh, and I'm excited to um, to talk about the, uh, the the League of National Footballness. Yeah, we're both coming off bad losses, not in a good mood, but hopefully we can look ahead to this coming week. There's a lot of good games, a ton of good games, a lot of revenge games, too. So what we want to do is we're going to look at some of the biggest games. Obviously, there's a ton of playoff implications as we start to head down the stretch of this point of the season. Then we're going to do a lightning round where we give a little less time, but we want to make sure we touch on every single game of the week. So you're going to get something on every game of the week. And oh, by the way, please take this time to rate, review and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. You'll get this show. You'll get another really good show called the Off Day Debrief that just happens to be hosted by myself and Brandon Lee Gowden. RJ hosts another show, but it's not as important. So don't worry about it if you missed that one. Yeah, you guys did a great job this week, Stats. Uh, you and, and BLG uh, talking about the Buffalo Bills, uh, who I have chosen to adopt as my team uh, for the rest of the season uh, in terms of tying my hopes and ambitions towards. Uh, but yeah, the Oddcast is a cute little project that SB Nation has invested a little bit into. Uh, Monday Football Monday, though, that's where the big dollars are. Uh, shout out to uh, Pete Sweeney, Michael Kist. And by the way, if you want to see some Pete Sweeney and RJ Ochoa while you're at it, go to the SB Nation Instagram story and you'll be, uh, you know, you'll be excited on Thursday for some game pick action might reference the look ahead who knows the world is wild stats did you just go third person i don't know i lost myself in the middle of it if i'm if i'm being honest um so it it felt like it felt like what i imagine leo felt like on his way to the fourth level of inception you know what i mean um and like i don't know if uh my token is still spinning or not like everything is is existential to me right now <laughs> did not expect you to go inception on me 15 yeah. minutes into the pod but here we are all right Let's start with one of the biggest games of the week, and that's Kansas City and Miami. The Chiefs are all sorts of pumped up now because they're in play for the number one seed thanks to the Steelers' loss. And Miami is the sixth seed right now in the AFC. They're trying to hold off Indianapolis, Vegas, and God knows everybody else in the AFC that's trying to get into the playoffs. So this game has a ton of stakes. This is a very exciting game, um, an interesting uniform matchup. You look at it, and I don't think... I, I just mentioned, and I hate to sort of oppose myself immediately, I'm, I'm a big Bills fan for the rest of this season. Uh, maybe the best uniforms in the NFL, by the way, but I digress. 
the the Dolphins still very much alive in the AFC East. I, I know we're we're sort of like already penciling them in as this you know wild card team, and I think they're going to be a playoff team. But the Dolphins have every opportunity to I think really impact the Chiefs' future here, maybe even the Bills' future here. You look at the remaining schedule of the season for the Chiefs' stats. Okay, on the road against Miami this week. That's a long trip. Okay, cool. On the road against the New Orleans Saints in Week 15. Okay, that's an interesting, very tough game. And then you look at it. Home to Atlanta and home to the Chargers in the final two weeks of the regular season. I, I think there's a world where the Bills end up with the number one seed in the AFC. It's possible because we've seen the Chiefs play these really close games. And and I think at some point that's going to maybe catch up to them. Obviously, they've got Patrick Mahomes, so it's difficult for anybody to ever fully catch them. But the Chiefs have been towing that line and... These are these are spunky teams in, in Atlanta and L.A. down the road that, that might just want to play spoilers. So this is a really big game for the Chiefs as well as the Dolphins. And, and so I'm excited. But but I do think um, I, I think this is the, the biggest test that two is going to face so far this year. Big shocker. I know. Well, so, OK, you touched on a couple of things. There's a lot of meat on this bone. Eat it. <laughs> they look bored sometimes. Like last week against Denver, they looked bored for a lot of that game. And then it was like oh, yeah, we should probably score a couple touchdowns and win this thing, right? And then, of course, they go out and do it. Do you think they've sort of reached that Patriots level where it's like we kind of treat the regular season like a warm-up because we know we're in the playoffs? Yeah, I really do. I remember, um, I think it might have been three or four years ago, the Isaiah Thomas Celtics, um, what, you know, when, when they got the one seed in the Eastern Conference. I remember LeBron James was asked about that, how the Cavs had the two seed, and they said, well, you know, why don't you want to work to win the one seed? And he said, well, we can just go take it back in 48 minutes. Why well, work for two months to do that? And I, was, I had never thought of it that way. I was like, that's a really great point. And I feel like the Chiefs do sort of feel that way, right? Like, why, why like waste our energy for an entire game? Let's just like put all of our eggs in the basket of two or three drives and we'll be fine because we know that when we do that, we're on and we'll win. And that's, that's really like working out for them and it's fun to watch. But I'm actually interested in this game because Brian Flores is a really good defensive head coach. And I think he's going to cook something up for Patrick Mahomes that maybe he hasn't seen or doesn't expect to see. The Dolphins, you know, the Dolphins are plucky. And the thing about Brian Flores is he comes from that Belichick school. And at least in the first half of their games against the Patriots, we saw the Chiefs struggle with that Belichick sort of scheme. So I'm, I'm wondering what Flores cooks up for Mahomes and company. I agree. And we've already seen Brian Flores handle Justin Herbert to a degree this season. Not that Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert are the same quarterback, but he clearly can have success against quarterbacks that are playing at a hot level. Stats, is Brian Flores already the best Belichick disciple to leave in your mind? Oh, man, he might be. I mean, we got to give it a little more time because don't forget, there was a time when we all thought Eric Mangini was going to take that title. So let's give it time to see what actually plays out. But if you had to ask me to answer right now, I think I might say yes. Um, yeah, he's he's very Belichickian in that he does whatever it takes to win the game, which makes me wonder, you know, if Tua has a couple of bad drives or a bad half, when does Flores pull the plug and send in Fitzmagic? That's a great subplot to this game because he's almost the only coach. We're talking, obviously, in the week that Doug Peterson officially benched Carson Wentz. Brian Flores is the only coach that could bench his quarterback, and I would I would have the hardest or the easiest time believing that, oh, that was just like a momentary thing. He's, he's, he's going to go back to him, right? Like, it was, it was just to, like, create some other level of momentum. I, I don't know why he has that quality, but he does. Uh, and maybe he'll get into another fight. That's what I really want to see is go, go fight somebody on the field like he did against the Bengals last week. 
So it's Chiefs minus seven. Who do you like? Oh, well, you um, you rather bravely, Stats, took the Broncos last week to cover against the Kansas City Chiefs, and you hit. Congratulations. I don't think enough people were talking about you in that capacity, so I will do it here. Um, I will take Miami to cover. I do think that Kansas City ultimately wins, and I think in a weird way, this is the game that truly puts the Dolphins on the map for people. People are already talking about them, but I think and maybe they'll have like a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. And and then Kansas City would do the Kansas City thing. But but then people will say, all right, the Dolphins are for real. Give it time. And they're going to be a powerhouse in the AFC. I will take the Dolphins and the points in this one. But it is crazy. You're right. How the Chiefs are so good. You don't even have to beat them to get love for for when you play. <laughs> right. them. Like as long as you make it a game, people are like, hey, they're really good. Look, they almost beat the Chiefs. But I, I'll take the points with Miami. But I think Kansas City is going to win, especially now with that number one seed being at play. Um, I, I think that. Last week is going to be enough of a wake up call so that the leaders on that team step up and say, hey, we, you know, we're better than what we showed. I think they get it together this week against Miami. I agree with you. Shout out to the Dolphins. Get it done. So we go from Kansas City to Pittsburgh, RJ. The Steelers coming off that unbelievable loss to the football team. And they got to play Buffalo, who's absolutely rolling right now after the Bills steamrolled the 49ers. The Bills beat some, uh, some you know, low-level JV league team I heard on Monday night. Uh, very cool to see them avenge their loss inside of that particular building so far this season. I think a lot of people were really excited to to pick Buffalo to be the first team to knock off the Steelers, and Washington kind of, you know, got to the punch first. I do think the Bills are going to win this game. I think the Bills are maybe the second-best team in the AFC my dream AFC championship game is actually Chiefs Bills. I think that would be a lot of fun. We didn't we didn't get the the right juice ahead of the the Chiefs Bills game that we got earlier in the season because of the rescheduling. I do think that the Steelers I I they we talked last week about how they've internalized all of the circumstances they faced. I think they've taken that into a little bit of hyperdrive. Peter King called out Eric Ebron in Football Morning in America for saying that it was so unfair to have the Steelers play three games in twelve days and noted that Ebron's done that several times so far in his career, especially being in Detroit playing on Thanksgiving. Um, and so I think, you know, and now I think the Steelers are really going to like lean into that, right? Like, this is so unfair. The NFL made us do this, blah, blah. They're out to get us. And I think the Bills just want to go to work. I think Sean McDermott is maybe in line for coach of the year. It's it's a more interesting conversation than it's been in recent years. Um, but I think the Bills are, are really, really, really going to assert themselves in this game. If I'm Sean McDermott, I say, look, we could win the one seed in the AFC. It's Mm -hmm. not out of the realm of possibility at all. Um, The one thing that, you know, you talk about the Steelers internalizing things. Well, Buffalo's favored in the game by two and a half points. The Steelers are like, hey, we've lost one time all year. And you think these guys are the favorites? Like Mike Tomlin is saying thank you to Vegas and the bookmakers. I agree with that. And I, I said last week that Mike Tomlin's really good at that. But if if there's a team that is like immune to teams using those motivational tools, it's the Bills and it's Josh Allen and, and they're awesome. And I think Josh Allen has re-entered the MVP conversation. I don't think he'll win it, um, but but I think he has better odds than say Russell Wilson. Now he's kind of had that that sort of ride of the year. Um, and so I I love Buffalo in this game. I'm excited that the game is in Buffalo. I mean, a primetime game there is is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, you're right. Josh Allen was on fire against the 49ers. There was one drive that Buffalo had. It was a five-play drive. They only faced one second down. 
the whole drive. That's how locked in Josh Allen was. It was incredible. And I, I, man, this is a tough game to pick. I don't know. I'm, I'm leaning Buffalo. Is that totally crazy? I think the Steelers, you know, are kind of a paper tiger a little bit. They have the better record, but I'm not sure they've actually played the tougher schedule. I agree with you entirely. I think that we're super quick to deem games this, but this is a true changing of the guard, I think, in the AFC. Like from one team that's been really relevant in the AFC for a long time in Pittsburgh to a new team that is going to be there for a long time in the Buffalo Bills, Ben Roethlisberger to Josh Allen. I think Stephon Diggs has a great game. I, Dude, I'm, I don't care if the Bills are favored. What's the line? One and a half right now? I will take Buffalo all day. Oh, who cares? Make it 10. No, don't make it 10 and a half. But I'll take <laughs> Buffalo, and I'll feel really good about it. Yeah, I look at the the offenses in this game. Buffalo has the better offense. Like Ben used to be surrounded with like Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster was the number two. Like we thought he was loaded. I look around the Steelers offense now. There's a lot on Ben's shoulders. Like he's got to be really good. Juju Smith-Schuster is not the superstar we thought he was going to develop into. Chase Claypool may be good. You know, he's still developing. James Conner should be back for this game, so that'll help. But I look at the offenses, and I think Buffalo has the advantage. So, yeah, I'm going to give the points in this one. I can't believe it, but as much as it pains me, considering what they did to my guys on Monday night, but Buffalo is the pick for me. Shout out to um, to the Bills, the official team of RJ Ochoa for the rest of this season. Don't let me down. It's also... Stats, really nice to see Cole Beasley prosper again. Like, he's such a fun player. He had a great Monday night game, and I'm excited to see what he does on Sunday night against the Bills. Also, I think the Bills are wearing their color rush jerseys. Maybe like an ode to the 49ers, right? Like, let's put on our red getups after we beat the 49ers. Well, it was a bloodbath, so that would be appropriate. <laughs> By the way, Steelers clinch a playoff spot with a win. So in addition to the motivation from the spread, they also have that. We'll see how it plays out. Next up, and this one, oh, I'm going to say this. This Colts and Raiders, RJ, both teams are coming off bad wins, if that makes sense, because the Texans are on the Colts two yard line, ready to go in and take that game and fumble the ball away. And that gives Indy the win. And the Raiders, I mean, are all but beaten by the New York Jets until Greg Williams decided to pull cover zero out of his ass and they throw a bomb to Henry Ruggs and win with like 10 seconds to go in the game. So both of these teams are coming off wins, but neither one looked particularly good. Is it too harsh to say this is like the fraud bowl? Like, like these are two, um, again, fraud is a really aggressive way of putting it. Um, but I like, I think we could both like say, say either one of these teams was playing like the dolphins in the wild card round. I think we could both like talk ourselves into taking Miami over each of these teams. Like they're, they're a bit fraudulent in that they have legitimate records. They have head coaches that have done really impressive jobs. They have quarterbacks that are kind of, Nah, you know, but, but that's it. Like, it's, it's just, it's like, I, this is the game. that's like, like if I slept through the morning for whatever reason, and I woke up and this game was on, I wouldn't be like, Oh my gosh, I gotta get out of bed to watch. I'd be like, that's fine. I'll just, I'll take my time, brush my teeth and be cool. Yeah. I feel like this is like a 10 year old at Christmas. You have to decide. Do you believe, do you believe in either Ooh. one of these teams? Cause I don't believe in either one. I am passing on both. Honestly, I would prefer if both of these teams miss the playoffs. They're not even that interesting to me. I don't believe in either one. I don't care what the records are. That's a great way of putting it. These teams are like, what, what's the, the Christmas movie where the kid gets the BB gun? I've actually never even seen the, the, the movie. Oh, in a Christmas story and it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just like novelty, you know, movie that everybody's like, 
oh, like you'll shoot your eye out of it. Or like, and it has the, what's the, the lamp with the leg or whatever. You know, like it has all these things that you're supposed to care about, but you don't. And that's fine. That's what this game is. I, I do think the Colts are the better team. And I do think that the Raiders are the bigger frauds. The Raiders have really been flirting with disaster lately. And, and I think that that's going to cost them soon enough. Yeah, I think the Colts are built the right way. They're built around the lines. Their strength is close to the football. Um, I just, the ceiling for either one of these teams, like that's why I say they're not interesting and I don't want them in the playoffs because even if I think they get in, like what is their what is their ceiling? To maybe win one playoff game? Like that, that's not interesting to me. So if I have to pick one in this game, I'll pick the Colts because like I said, I think they're built better. But I really, if there was one game I could miss this week, I think it might be this one. Stats, the two teams that trailed the Raiders in the on the bubble rankings here are the Baltimore Ravens and New England Patriots. I think that both of those teams, and I think that we both think this, are better than the Raiders. And I think that both of those teams are far more deserving of playoff spots and would give us better playoff performances than Las Vegas would. I completely agree with you. And by the way, uh, who did you pick for this game? I picked Indianapolis. I'm a big Matt Eberflus guy. You know, there's my bias showing once again. But I, I will take in. They're better. They're, they're just better overall, too. That's the the crazy thing is he's not even Frank Reich's pick. Like he was Josh McDaniel's pick for that job. And the Colts sort of lucked into him. It, it, people forget that. That's sort of the weird quirk about that team is they're like a jigsaw puzzle of coaches. Yeah. And the Cowboys chose Chris Richard over him. So good job. That worked out really well. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned the Patriots. So let's go there next. Cause they play the Rams tonight. And I don't know what to make of the Rams, RJ. On the one hand, I look and say they've only lost to one team in the NFC all year, and that's the 49ers twice. But the other teams they've lost to have all come out of the AFC East, the Bills and the Dolphins. So what do you make of the Rams? I think that we are talking about the future NFC West winners. I think that I have personally underrated the Rams. I think that I don't think that Jared Goff is this amazing quarterback, but I think that his his peaks are are something you can really work with if you're an innovative play caller like Sean McVay. And I think that, that the Rams are doing a great job of, of sort of uh, generating circumstances that, that see that version of Jared Goff. And I think that these next two games, New England tonight and New York next week, the Jets, obviously, I think that those are, are wins for this team. And I think that, you know, I think there's something to like having been there, done that. And like this Rams group collectively has now been through a lot of football together. They've seen a lot of highs. They've sort of ridden the high. They've, you know, kind of had a, a taste of reality. And so I, I think that this game is a trouncing, honestly, tonight. I, I think that the Patriots really stand no chance against the Rams. Um, and, and I think that that might be what, what sort of does it for New England this season and what really sort of elevates the Rams to people talking about them like we are on the look ahead about winning the NFC West. <laughs> so here's the thing. Sean McVay's specialty is putting Jared Goff in a position to succeed. Bill Belichick's specialty is putting you in a position to do the thing you do the worst. We saw it once and Belichick got the better of that matchup. Clearly, they shut the Rams down in that Super Bowl. What have you seen that makes you think it's going to be any different this time around? I think looking at at the Rams recently, right? I mean, the Rams have found a way to help Jared Goff not, you know, get in his own way. Really is, is the problem here or has been the problem. And so I think that, that Sean McVay has figured out a way to just survive, right? Like just literally get through four quarters without Jared Goff completely ruining something. And I think 
I mean, Cam Newton, I would love to see Cam Newton return to farm. I feel like we've all been kind of internally wanting this all season long, but it's just not happening. And so I think that Aaron Donald is going to really have his way with Cam Newton. And I think that that's just going to overwhelm this game. And, and then I think that's what I'm, I, I, th- I don't think that Jared Goff is going to have to capitalize on particular opportunities. I think that tonight the Rams are going to have a number of opportunities. And, and so I think that they only need like a 60% success rate, so to speak, to win. And, and I think that they'll have that because New England has, has – we've seen New England really like rise and fall. There's also the like West Coast factor here, whatever you want to put into that. But I, I think that we, we got a great heroic performance from New England last week, which was aided by the Chargersness of everything. And I think that, <laughs> that that just regresses to the mean. And I think that the Rams mean is a lot higher. But I would take Justin Herbert over Jared Goff right now, wouldn't you? Like, Herbert's the better quarterback, and they made him look silly last week. He is the better quarterback. And and so, like, if we're standing in a room, right, and you get to pick one to be your quarterback, I agree with you. But if we're taking who Justin Herbert is as led and directed by Anthony Lynn versus who Jared Goff is as led and directed by Sean McVay, I'll take Sean McVay's product simply because Sean McVay does such a great job of elevating him. Justin Herbert is trapped. Free Justin Herbert. Put Doug Peterson <laughs> in L.A. Uh, and, and then we'll talk. But, I mean, unfortunately, that's just the reality of the situation. When I see Goff versus Belichick, I'm like, okay, that's clearly Belichick in my opinion. But then I see Cam versus this Rams defense, and mm-hmm. the Rams defense is absolutely legitimate. And Cam Newton is having the weirdest year ever. Like, I don't know if people realize, he has five passing touchdowns, nine interceptions on the year, and 11 rushing touchdowns. It is the strangest year. for He's like a quarterback from the 50s. Like, I don't know what is happening there, but I don't know which side of that matchup wins out because I can't really see Cam doing anything against this Rams defense. The Patriots skill position players are awful. Maybe the worst in the league and the Rams D is really good, but I don't, I get queasy when I think of taking Jared Goff over Bill Belichick. I agree with that entirely. And so don't look at it that way. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like look at it. Oh, okay. um, like you ever, have you ever been on the treadmill or something and you're, you've told yourself like, okay, I'm going to be on the treadmill for an hour, right? And that sounds horrible. Like, that's the most horrifying thing to, like, say out loud. Instead, you look at this, okay, it's just, I got to do 30 minutes twice. And so then the first 30 minutes after that, you're like, all I got to do is this again. You know what I'm saying? And but and even then, when you look at the 30-minute interval, you're like, oh, I just got to do 15 minutes four times. And that's, like, all of a sudden, you adjust the way the goal is viewed in your mind. You play psychological tricks on yourself. Stats, do that here. Just look at Sean McVay. Don't look anywhere else. I have a strict no running policy that I've had in place for about the last 10 years. I don't plan on violating that anytime soon. Uh, That's Jared Goff's rule too, by the way. He doesn't ever. (laughs) (laughs) He might have to run a little in this game. Um, But the Rams are giving up five points. Something in my head is telling me that I have the chance to take Bill Belichick and get points. I don't think I can pass that up. So I think I got to go New England. I think that we agreed way too much last week's stats in my inaugural flight here on the look ahead. And I did not like that. And so I want chaos and I want disruption and I want anarchy. And so I will take the Rams. Uh, I'm feeling a little bit bold, uh, but, but it feels like the right kind of bold. The wind is in my face and it's an enjoyable experience. When I win this game, I'm going to come back next week and say, <laughs> you pick Jared Goff over Bill Belichick. And I'm going to make you say that out loud. You picked the 49ers over the Bills, Rob. Yeah, I also picked the Broncos <laughs> points. Don't forget that. That's true. That's true. Good job. I'm proud of you. One more game we want to take a deep dive on, RJ, and that's the Vikings and the Bucks. The Bucks are coming off a bye. 
hopefully this extra week has let them sort of sort through the Tom Brady, Bruce Arians soap opera, whatever's going on there. And the Vikings are fighting for their playoff life right now. And they had to go to overtime last week just to beat Jacksonville. I know that the Vikings are not wrapped in a pretty box. Okay, I get this. I've been calling for the Vikings to be a playoff team on Monday, Football Monday. If you watch the SB Nation Instagram story today on Thursday, you'll get to see me standing for my Vikings. This is a playoff team, Stats. And not only is this a playoff team, this is a playoff team that will finish higher than the seventh seed in the NFC because they are going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and have the tiebreaker over them in that capacity. I really, really, really like the Vikings. Again, it's super stressful in a lot of ways. I get that. It's hard. It's we talked about it was harder to trust Jared Goff. It's more difficult to trust Kirk Cousins in a lot of respects. But there's a lot of reason to believe and understand that Kirk Cousins is operating at a pretty elite level. And I, I say this with all due respect to who Tom Brady is. But who's who's playing the best of any player involved in this game? Because I think the answer is Justin Jefferson. Like right, like in terms of who they are today and their their operating powers in this given moment. Is he not the best to you? Dalvin Cook's pretty good. So well, one and two are on the Vikings then. Yes. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I have to say, I'm look, I'm trying to think of that. Mike Evans is pretty good, but I don't think he's playing. I mean, Justin Jefferson is doing, he's having one of the best rookie years we've ever seen by a rookie wide receiver, maybe since another Viking, Randy Moss in 1998. That's right. C.D. Lamb would have destroyed him, by the way. Let's be clear. If Dak Prescott had stayed healthy, but it, to, to further <laughs> this point, Adam Thielen might be number three on this list, and maybe maybe Mike Evans is number four, and then it's maybe Kirk Cousins. Like, like that's what I'm saying. Like, the, Kirk, the the best quarterback in terms of who they are today in this game is on the Vikings. A lot of people made so much about the Vikings pass catcher, or the Bucks pass catchers coming into the season. You got to get a piece of the Bucks offense and fantasy, blah, blah. Look at the Vikings offense. If you don't have a piece of the Vikings offense, you're likely not in your fantasy football playoff picture. And so I really, really, really like Minnesota in this game. I think this is their leap over 500. And I think it is a long week for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they're going to drop this game coming out of their bye. And then we're going to get into all that Brady Arian stuff again. And then who's criticizing who and who's picking the plays. And, uh, you know, what do they say? Victory has a thousand fathers and defeat is an orphan. Like everyone's trying to pass the buck in Tampa Bay. See what I did there? I've never heard that saying before. I've made this case on Monday Football Monday, but I need to make it again here. I've Bruce Arians is wildly overrated, like and was before this season. What what is the the hallmark quality that people talk about with Bruce Arians stats? He's done really well with really good quarterbacks. No, no, no. It's just he's a quarterback whisperer. That's that's what people say. Let's like his his quarterbacks in his career. Ben Roethlisberger, first round pick. Okay. Peyton Manning, number one overall pick. Okay, cool. Uh then after that, Carson Palmer, Heisman Trophy winner, number one overall pick. All right, cool. Jameis Winston, Heisman Trophy winner, number one overall pick. Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback to ever live. I also left off Andrew Luck, a number one overall pick. Like, maybe the common denominator is the fact that these were all incredible quarterbacks and that Bruce Arians was connected to all of them. And I, th- I do think that people are hesitant to call him out because he's cool. Like, he, he wears the hats and he curses and he'll call out Tom Brady on his radio show. And that is a cool thing, but it doesn't distract from the fact that it is a little bit of, you know, of just overlooking that people like to do when it comes to B.A. 
I'm so glad you brought this up because I remember this hot take from you earlier in the year and I wanted a piece <laughs> of you on it because look, your point makes sense. It's fair, I guess, but we've also seen number one overall draft picks and first round draft picks that stink and Heisman trophy winners that stink and Heisman trophy winners sure. that don't get drafted. Like, you know, I think it's both. I don't think you can separate one from the other. Yeah. He was with some really good quarterbacks, but part of the reason they were really good, I think is because they were with him. I think his success has exclusively been with really good quarterbacks. And you can also look at these quarterbacks, save for maybe Jameis Winston, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Carson Palmer, and obviously Tom Brady. They all have had wild levels of success without Bruce Arians. But but he is attributed to being the like the whisperer and the guy that gets it done. I don't I'm not trying to say he has zero percent involvement with the greatness or the status or the legend of these quarterbacks, but it's not even a fifty fifty proposition to me. He he has been extremely fortunate to be a around some really good quarterbacks like a lot of other people have in their NFL careers but but it is it is for whatever reason treated with different respect when it comes to Bruce Arians and I'm telling you it's because he's cool it's because the guy is, goes fishing and listens to Zach Brown band and those are cool things but it doesn't mean that he is the reason that Carson Palmer was good in Arizona Carson Palmer was always good well he wasn't well, always okay good. that was a bad he, example he but still the Raiders <laughs> he was okay with the Bengals I mean you know you get the point B.A. is is a little overhyped. I agree that the coolness factor is a definite. Uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. But it, it, it's part of the reason he doesn't get criticized as heavily as maybe he should have. I agree with that. Uh, so the Bucks are giving six and a half in this game. I, to me, that screams take the Vikings, which makes me nervous. But I, I'm going skull on this one. Oh, yeah. I'm going skull big time stats. The Vikings, and let's also consider they're six and six. All right. They're going to beat the Buccaneers. They're seven and six. They get the Bears after that. Then they get the New Orleans Saints, a playoff rematch in the Superdome. And then they get the Lions on the road in week 17. They're winning those two NFC North games, right? And so if we assume they beat the Bucs at the very least, like we both believe they will, that puts them at nine wins. That's a hell of a turnaround for a team that was one and five. That's an incredible turnaround. And Kirk Cousins has quietly played really, really well. I don't know that he'll ever shake that label of not being clutch or not being, you know, very good. But he operates, at least mentally, on a very, very high level. It doesn't always translate, but I I think we got to start giving Kirk Cousins his due as a well above average NFL quarterback. Shout out to Kirk Cousins. I interviewed him at the uh, Puppy Bowl set stats um at super bowl 51 in houston i asked him what his favorite thing or the most admired quality he would have in a dog was and what do you think he said loyalty i don't know it was loyalty (laughs) (laughs) well done well done i know kirk kirk cousins is like he's the sweater vest of quarterbacks like he is super boring but he can get the job done when he needs to. All right, let's take a break because we've got a couple more things to do here before we go. The Niners and the Cowboys were shown the ultimate disrespect by the NFL. So we want to break that down with Ian Castleberry of Awful Announcing. So we're going to do that. And then we'll do our lightning round of picks for week 14. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Okay, RJ, now it's time for our bias to show a little bit because you cover the Cowboys for blogging the boys. I cover the Niners for Niners Nation, and we're going about our business on Wednesday when we tape this thing. And all of a sudden, I get a little alert on my phone that says the NFL in its infinite wisdom has decided to flex the 49ers and Cowboys in week 15 out of prime time and stick them at 1 p.m. And the first thought I had is there is no more perfect encapsulation of how the 2020 season has gone for both of our teams than the league taking two marquee franchises and shoving them in the scrum at 1 p.m. What was your first thought, RJ, when you heard that news? Yeah, I was obviously very stunned stats. Um, the Dallas Cowboys are America's team. I, I think the 49ers have a bit of a following. Um, and I, I find... I, I find these types of things to be really fascinating as they pertain to the NFL because they are such a big storyline with so many different factors. Um, I mean, the Cowboys-Niners rivalry obviously isn't where it was, you know, when um, it was at its heyday. But, I mean, NFL Films did a full feature, I think, two-part documentary on this called A Tale of Two Cities that was all about Cowboys-Niners. And so it's not often that you get, you know, this type of matchup late in the season like this. It's, it's maybe the best uniform matchup in the NFL. And and so for the league, I, I think we all understand and agree there's a lot of injury concerns and status concerns with these teams. Um, but but to again, no discredit to the 49ers, but to to say that they are moving out of AT&T Stadium um, for, for a game that involves the Cleveland Browns really stunned me. I, I really can't remember anything like this happening with regards to how Sunday Night Football has been handled since NBC got the package in 2006. And we wanted to dive into this a little bit more. So we need some help. So we're going to welcome in Ian Castleberry from Awful Announcing. Ian, what the hell? 
It's it's unbelievable, right? A 49ers Cowboys week 15, you would have thought this was a preview of the NFC title game possibly, right? And then like you guys were saying, this was uh, the rivalry of the 90s in the NFC. Um, but like you said, Rob, I mean, this is indicative of how 2020 has gone. I mean, the, the, the standings are upside down, it seems like, almost uh, in the NFL and how far the Cowboys have fallen and, and how disappointing the Niners have been. And then for the Giants to be seen uh, as, you know, a, a team worth watching at five and seven, I know they've won four in a row. They're uh, in, in contention to win uh, the NFC East somehow. Uh, but still, just uh, shocking under any circumstances to choose Giants-Browns and, uh, over 49ers-Cowboys. And then, like we were talking about before we started recording, moving the game to, to what, 10, 10 a.m. local time or 12, 12 p.m. Uh, in Dallas? Uh, that just... Uh, I don't understand the, the rationale behind that, even just from a TV audience standpoint. Ian, I think, um, again, I, I obviously didn't make this move, uh, but I believe the New Orleans Saints and Kansas City Chiefs play that day. And so I think the NFL might be angling to leave that game as its own sort of thing in the afternoon window. Um, but And oftentimes, you know this better than anybody, that, that window can be more powerful than even the, the nighttime broadcast. And I, I think this is very fascinating stats. I don't know, obviously, how often the 49ers have been bumped or relegated. But three years ago, Ian, if you remember, the Cowboys and Giants game late in 2017 was bumped uh, back to noon from the three o'clock window in favor of a Seahawks-Jaguars game when the Jaguars were making that run. I, I mean, again, no discredit to the 49ers, Rob, but this is the Dallas Cowboys. Like, I mean, could you have... 2020 aside, Ian, could you have ever imagined Jerry Jones's team falling to this point that the NFL, it's it's no longer, you know, people hate you or love you. It's that people nothing you. People don't care about you anymore. That is inexplicable. I mean, the Cowboys, you know, whether you want to call them America's team or not, I mean, they're instant ratings, right? I mean, they always get games that they probably shouldn't. It's like the Yankees and Red Sox in baseball. You, know, you put the Cowboys on in prime time. That, that's guaranteed ratings. So, so to boot them in what seems to be a, a marquee matchup of 2020 records aside really is surprising and does say that, that the Cowboys, that they're not only disappointing in terms of record, but they're just not fun to watch right now, which I think may also be a factor. I mean, I could kind of understand if Odell Beckham was healthy, then you've got like Odell going against mm-hmm. his old team with the Giants. I mean, but the Giants record right now is the same as the 49ers record. They're both five and seven. So it's not, you know, I know that I understand they're in the playoff picture in the in the NFC East, but I thought that there were other places the league could have gone if they were going to get rid of Niners Cowboys on Sunday night. Are you surprised that the Giants and Cleveland are the, the game that they actually chose? I guess not in terms of, of, of the playoff matchups and you know uh as rj mentioned you know chief saints is a game that that's not going to be moved off that 425 slot uh is that a fox game i I assume that you know fox definitely it's a cbs game oh it's a cbs game okay that's right that's right uh cbs game so cbs is not going to want to give that up uh in the four o'clock window which which is really other sunday night football gets the ratings but i think that four o'clock a 425 window on a Sunday is really a prime spot uh, that, that uh, CBS is, is not uh, going to want to give up. Um, are we are, are we underestimating, you know, Colt McCoy 
starting for the Giants uh, against the Browns. Is, is that something that we're missing here that, that TV executives and league executives are looking at? Freddie Kitchens, the there, there's there's that angle. If, if you're oh really, yeah, yes. Jason Garrett from the Cleveland area. I mean, you know, there's, there's oh, some man. juice if we're really trying to turn under every rock. I think we've answered our question. This is just deep with storylines. This is rich. Well, I want to give you time to get ready for the Freddie Kitchens Bowl. I, I know that's a big deal. I know that. Uh, oh, uh, before before I let you go, I actually wanted to ask you this because I see from your Twitter handle, which by the way is at Ian Cass, that you are a Michigan sports fan. Yes. And I saw that Jim Harbaugh and Michigan are going to talk contract after the season. Are you hoping that he gets an extension or are you hoping that he gets the boot? Uh, well, it depends when you ask me, but I guess I'm going to stick with, with, with what I wrote two weeks ago, that I think it's time for Michigan and Jim Harbaugh to move on. Uh, it's been six years. Uh, Michigan seems to have regressed. They're, they're so far behind. Ohio State in the Big Ten. They're not in the national picture, you know, with the Alabamas and the Clemsons. Uh, it's, it just hasn't worked out, whether it's establishing a quarterback, building a program. Uh, but if they are going to stick with Harbaugh, they have to give him that extension. You can't. It's inexplicable that any major college program has a coach on just one year remaining on his contract. You can't recruit that way. You can't hire good assistants that way. So I guess I would prefer Michigan and Jim Harbaugh both to move on. But if they're going to keep Harbaugh, you cannot let him go into next season with the final year of his contract. Ian Cassaberry from Awful Announcing. Thank you very much, sir. Hey, thanks uh, so much. And hey, as a Lions fan, should I be excited about Robert Sala uh, being possibly the next coach of the Detroit Lions? No, you should do everything you can to tell the people of Detroit to leave Robert Sala alone. He's fine in San Francisco. Don't worry about it. You guys have a, a great mix here, like Jim Harbaugh going from San Francisco to Michigan. Robert, like, Ian, you're just taking all of Rob's old favorite coaches. Uh, <laughs> this, this was a great fit, and uh, I feel very good about Robert Sala now. Thank you. Well, hopefully it works out for you if he does leave because he's a <laughs> good dude. Does being a Lions fan, believe me. So, <laughs> oh, you've only been waiting for a playoff team for a hundred years. It's fine. Yeah, there's always that '91 win over the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Shout out, Barry yes. Sanders. A zing on RJ on the way out. I love it. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Thanks again to Ian Castleberry for indulging both of our biases there with that letter interview. All right. RJ, it's time. It is time now for the Week 14 Lightning Round. We have got a lot of fun games, some revenge games, but let's start with the Cardinals and the Giants. The Cardinals are circling the drain right now, RJ. They're favored by two and a half in this one, but they really need to win, and Daniel Jones might be back for New York. This is maybe the least confident I am in a single pick this week, just given the fact that Arizona is one DeAndre Hopkins miracle away from having lost a bunch of games in a row we talked about that last week i will take the cardinals but i don't feel great about it i think i'm taking the giants i really like joe judge as a coach i think he's very much in that bill belichick mold kyler's shoulder is banged up to me he hasn't been running as much and when he doesn't run that offense is totally different in arizona so i'll take the giants and take the points next up tennessee and jacksonville to me this is a handle your business game for tennessee you struggle like at times just go out and do it the Jags stink you're given seven I agree 
Tennessee typically rebounds really well, as evidenced by the fact that they were able to come back against Cleveland. I don't see any issues here. Jacksonville is all in on the number two overall pick, maybe the number one overall pick if the Jets can find a way to Jets themselves out. <laughs> Good teams win these games if you're Tennessee, so let's see you go and do it. Dallas and Cincinnati, the Cowboys are favored at three and a half in the battle for the number three overall pick next year, RJ. And let me tell you, that could be an interesting spot for a team that wants to trade up. It could. It also could be the first non-quarterback taken in the draft, obviously. Uh, It also could be the home of a particular University of Oregon offensive tackle, depending on which team earns this pick. I said that the Cardinals was the team I am least confident in. I lied. The Cowboys are, because I can't take the Bengals in this game. I'm taking the Cowboys, and it just... to pick this team to cover anything is, is such a such a risk, and, and I feel really bad about it. So thanks for making me do it. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the Cowboys as well. It's three and a half. I would love it if it was three, but it's not. So I'm still going to go Dallas because I think Cincinnati is a tire fire. Houston at Chicago, and this is Deshaun Watson against the team that should have had Deshaun Watson. And Houston is only giving one point despite the fact they're facing Mitchell Trubisky. So I think that Houston's going to blow the Bears out. So I obviously am taking the Texans. And I think that a lot of Bears fans will look at this as a worse quality loss than last week, when I think that last week's loss was a way bigger deal. And, and to fall apart and, and to cough it away in the fourth quarter, this this is potentially the the, uh, the end of the road uh, for Matt Nagy. Yep, this could be the last game he coaches at the Bears. Uh, I think Houston's going to smash them as well. So, you know, we'll see if he survives another week. Denver and Carolina, and to me, this is two teams going in opposite directions. The arrow is pointing way up for me on the Panthers. I really like what Matt rules there, what he's doing there. I think they're getting a program together. I don't know what the hell Denver is doing, but I know that since John Elway had Peyton Manning, he has had no plan at quarterback, and his team has been adrift in a sea of mediocrity. I will take the Panthers giving the three and a half points. I agree entirely. In fact, similar to my B.A. take, I have had a take before that John Elway is really bad at evaluating quarterbacks. His biggest talent was being John Elway and landing Peyton Manning in recruitment. Um, Carolina has had some COVID issues, so certainly our well wishes go out to them. Uh, but coming off the bye, I'm, I'm very fascinated to see Matt Rule coming off his first NFL bye. I do think uh, we talked so much about the Super Bowl 53 rematch. This is the Super Bowl 50 rematch. Hello. That's awesome. Um, not really, but still. I'll take the, <laughs> the Jets are facing Seattle. This is a get-right game for the Seahawks, who dropped one to the Giants last week. And it's also the Jamal Adams Revenge Bowl, RJ. I want to take the Jets because they're super close and and Seattle is that team, right? Like Vegas was not the team to to blow it to the the Jets, right? Like Seattle's the team to do it after the let Russ Cook stuff. And I really, really, really want to do it, but I can't. I I just can't. I hope you're brave enough. I'll take Seattle. I wish I was brave. You're going to give the 13 and a half points in an NFL game. I love Russell Wilson. Yeah, I'm going to give the 13 and a half. It's the Jets. Like I said, I wish I could take the Jets, but I just can't. I'm going to be bold again, RJ. I think the Seahawks okay. are going to win, but I will take the points with the Jets. Look, the Seahawks' defense is hot garbage, and Russell Wilson has not been playing like the Russell Wilson we saw earlier in the year. Now, I still think he's going to be very good, but I think that he's going to be off enough that the Jets are going to be able to cover this spread and this is obviously one that you can throw right back in my face next week if it doesn't happen, but I'll take the Jets and the points. Next up, speaking of revenge games, Washington and San Francisco, Alex Smith 
starting against this old team and Kyle Shanahan going up against a team that he despises with a white hot passion. If there's one game he wants to win all this all year, it's the one where he gets to stick it to Daniel Snyder. I by that factor, I am a little perplexed that San Francisco is favored by as much as they are. Um, I will take them. Um, but I still think that Washington is the favorite to win the NFC East. I, I think that they're going to drop this game, and that's going to be okay. Um, I, I think that they ultimately will get the caps and T-shirts that are going to be super coveted, but I'll take San Francisco in this particular game. I think the 49ers will win, but I think it's going to be super low scoring. I think the Washington defensive line is going to maul the 49ers offensive line, but I can't see Alex Smith having a ton of success against the Niners' D. Even though they looked bad last week, Alex Smith is no Josh Allen. He is not mobile anymore. The 49ers can thrive on that kind of quarterback. I will give the points and take the Niners. Next up, and this is my grievance of the week, the Saints are facing the Eagles. And can I just say, I don't know where Sean Payton is hiding that horseshoe, but he has a horseshoe shoved up somewhere because when he loses his quarterback, his teams play the softest freaking schedule you ever heard in your life. Here's who the Saints have played since Drew Brees went down against the 49ers. They've played Atlanta twice. They've played Denver, who literally did not have a quarterback and had a, they asked the league if an assistant coach could suit up under center. And now they get to play the Eagles with rookie Jalen Hurts making his first career NFL start. Yeah. Um, hey, I mean, you know, what's up with the Sean Payton slander here? All right. You know, what's what's the deal here, Stats? I'm sensing a rift between you and Sean Payton. Oh, there's uh, a rift. <laughs> I hate the Saints and hope they lose forever. I... I, I, there's a weird connection for me with Sean Payton because of the whole Cowboys factor. I can't believe I didn't plan on doing this. I do think that because this season has brought forth a just unbelievable amount of chaos, this is this is Jalen Hurts' moment to shine. And I do think that weird things happen when the Eagles are in the Superdome. And when I think about that sort of matchup, I think about Reggie Bush getting destroyed. Obviously, Nick Foles lost the playoff game in there after the double doink. There's just a weird energy in that, you know, like the Eagles' white jerseys in that building. I don't know what it is exactly. I think the Eagles cover, but I think the Saints win. I think that's accurate. I don't think the Saints' defense is as good as they've looked. Their schedule to me, I mean, they've beaten up on some bad teams. I still don't believe in Taysom Hill by any stretch of the imagination. Like, he might be good. I don't think he is. Sean Payton thinks he's the next Steve Young, which I think is insane, which is another reason for me to dislike Sean Payton. (laughs) But I will, I think the Eagles are going to cover this one. I agree. The Saints will win, but I think Philly will cover the spread. Next up, Atlanta and the Chargers. And the only interesting thing to me about this game, RJ, is I just want to see how Justin Herbert responds. You had your welcome to the NFL moment last week where you were humbled by Bill Belichick. Well, guess what? That's a long list. So I want to see how he bounces back. I agree. Against my better judgment, I'm going to pick the Chargers again. Anthony Lynn said this week that he is going to take over special teams duties. Um, can't what? get much. Yeah, can't get much worse. Um, so, you know, hey. Um, you're like again. It's Justin Herbert against a really bad team, and and th- I mentioned fantasy earlier. Like, if you're on the cusp and you need it, like this, this could be that. Like, you know, there's that one fantasy performance that like propels somebody. This is it, Justin Herbert against the Falcons. I will take the Chargers to win. By the way, yeah, I'll take the Chargers to win, and I get the two and a half points. Atlanta's favored somehow in this game. I don't know what's going on there. When is the last time you heard of an NFL head coach stepping up to take special teams duties? By the way. 
Has uh, has John Harbaugh ever done it? I mean, because he's got the special teams background. That's the, that's the only one I could think of, uh, like, with a potential. It's it's a pretty rare thing. But because not a lot of guys have a lot. Maybe John Fossil, uh, when he was interim head coach, you know what I mean, for the Rams. That's the only other possibility. Like, to me, there's something weird about that, man. That reminds me of Jim Tom Sula when he was the coach of the 49ers. He used to go around the locker room and pick up all the towels. Like, dude, we, we got a guy for that. Like, <laughs> There's other stuff you should be doing and working on. I had so no that, idea. Wow. Weirdest story ever. That guy was my head coach. Hey, he's uh, my defensive line coach. So it is what it and is. And he's a good defensive line coach. He's just never, ever, ever, ever should have been a head coach. But yeah, he would pick up the towels, which is just asinine. Uh, next up, Green Bay and Detroit. This game, I think, is going to be an interesting one. A little closer maybe than some people think. You know, Brandon Lee Gowden called it the Darren Bevel boost that the Lions were getting after firing Matt Patricia. Do you think that continues, or do you think the Green Bay takes care of business? I think the boost is a real thing more often than not with most teams uh, moving on from head coaches. I know as, as BLG determined, um, you know, a guy that a team doesn't like, I do buy that. I think the Lions also were very fortunate to play the Bears last week, and so the boost kind of lined up. That isn't happening this week. The, the Packers are a different force, and I don't care what's going on with the Saints. The Packers are the best team in the NFC, and they're going to prove it again. They're going to own the Lions like they always have. You're going to take Green Bay, and you'll give the 7.5. 100%. The Packers of Green Bay. I always love that from coming to America. It's like my favorite thing. Every time someone mentions them, I hear that. Uh, by the way, they win the North. If the Packers win and the Vikings lose, the Packers would be division champs. Seven and a half. Oh, man. I Don't be the guy not... that believes in the Lions stats. Don't be that guy. <sighs> you know what it is? I'm secretly hoping the 49ers end up with Matthew Stafford next year. So now I'm kind of like watching the Lions and just dreaming of what could be. I think I'm going to take Detroit in the seven. And I think the Packers will win, but I'll take the points. I think Detroit's going to keep it close. And then one more game, RJ. It is a huge game on Monday night. The Ravens and the Browns. And this was the weird thing for me. A few weeks ago, I would have said, well, this is a measuring tape game for the Browns. Let's see where they stack up because they're playing a really good team in the Ravens. But now I think it might have flipped. Now I think we say the Ravens have to do the measuring stick against Cleveland because Cleveland looks pretty good. I agree with you entirely. I think it's a very rare thing for teams to get to play three times in a row on national television. Um, and that's what happens when you're the reigning MVP. I know the games got rescheduled, but still, the Steelers game was nighttime on Thanksgiving, still prime time. The Cowboys game was Thursday night football, and this is Monday night football. I think the Ravens, the, the rest of this week, will be talking about how they're back. They had a billion rushing yards. That's the Cowboys. And I think the Browns, this is the announcement game for the Browns. And then afterwards, the like, you know, the hour on Twitter after Monday Night Football when everyone's kind of firing off the takes, it's going to be, that's why they that's why they flex the Browns in over the Niners and the Cowboys. And Ian will come back and tell us how wrong we were, and it'll be fun, whatever. I'll take the Browns. Yeah, I'm taking the Browns too. In fact, I feel pretty good about this one. The Ravens offense to me, there's not enough there around Lamar Jackson. I've said it all year long. They're not a finished product on offense. I think they're missing a couple spots. I love the Browns running game. If Baker Mayfield plays anything close to the way he played last week when he threw four touchdowns in the first half, I think the Browns are going to pull this one off and I get the points. So thank you very much. We get the point stats. We get the points. I don't care about you and your picks. Come on. I'm worried about me. It's all about me. 
That's true. Um, but it should be a fun return of all teams playing, right? Like we're, the buys are done. It's just from here on out, sprint to the end. I'm really looking forward to it. A normal week where we get a Thursday game, a Sunday night game, a Monday night game. It feels good to kind of be back in the normal rhythms. Yes, everybody into the pool this week. This is sort of, we've reached like, the witching hour point of the NFL season. You know how that point comes every week on red zone where this is right. the witching hour where wins become lost. This is the witching hour at the NFL season where playoff teams fall out of it and other teams that are out of it come in. So it's going to be a ton of fun. Buckle up for the rest of the season. By the way, rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. You can find me on Twitter at Stats on Fire. You are on Twitter, RJ. At RJ Ochoa and stats, if you allow me to plug, we should have a uh, potentially a couple of former Super Bowl champions joining the Blog and the Boys podcast feed for uh, a fun Friday episode. So look forward to that too. If if you like the real team of the 1990s, a couple Super Bowl champions. What do you have, Jerry Rice and Steve Young coming on? No, um, no, yeah, Ken Norton Jr. He's taking his time off from uh, coordinating the Seahawks defense. You know, figured not really doing much there anyway. You know, might as well podcast. <laughs> of course, you have to have a, a guy that won a Super Bowl with the 49ers on. Continue. That's right. No, um, Darren Woodson. And um, this isn't totally locked in yet, but it is in the plans. DeMarcus Ware. So looking forward to that over at BTB. Damn, look at you. By the way, I think. I could be wrong on this, but I think Ken Norton Jr. is still the only player in NFL history to win a Super Bowl in three straight seasons because he won two with Dallas in in 92 and 93. Then he jumped ship to the Niners in 94 and won again. It's funny you say that because with his retirement recently, did LeGarrette Blunt pull that off? I don't think he did because he got the, the Patriots won in 14 and 16, and then he got the Eagles won in 17. Um, but he wasn't on that 19 Patriots team, right? Because if he was, that would be three in a row. But I don't think I, he was. Don't think so, but that just may be my Ken Norton bias because I still have images of him doing the boxing on the goalpost yeah. when he would score touchdowns. Well, yeah. Nice get for you. Congratulations. Much better than Monday Football Monday for sure. Not as good as the look ahead, though. That's the real truth. Okay, I think we could stop with breaking our arm, patting ourselves on the back. Enjoy the games, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. All right. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.